All right, here we go. We've been talking about reigning in the new birth. And today we're going to be looking at delivered from a body of death. So just to recap a little bit, probably you're thinking along these lines. If all this is true, if then we are crucified with Christ and Christ died our death, if then we are raised with Christ and the Spirit of Christ now lives in us, if then Christ defeated Satan, demons, and all the power of darkness on our behalf, if then we are seated with Christ in heavenly places and have been given his authority, and this is the last one, if then we are supposed to be reigning in life, why are you straining at life? Because if we're honest, not every, every believer, not everyone you know is reigning in life, right? If all this is true, then why isn't it being manifested in our daily lives? Why do I still have so much problems? Well, the answer is found in one of the most difficult chapters of the New Testament and maybe of the Bible. It's found in Romans chapter 7. In Romans chapter 7, this is what Paul says, verse 15. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. Has anybody ever felt that way? Listen to how the voice, the voice translates, translates this. Listen, I can't explain my actions. Here's why. I am not able to do the things I want. And at the same time, I do the things I despise. Paul goes on in verse 24. He says this, O wretch, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Again, the voice says, I am absolutely miserable. Have you ever felt that way? Is there anyone who can free me from this body where sin and death reign so supremely? And so many Christians are, are taught and read this scriptures and hear it taught, you know, if Paul struggled, you're going to struggle. You know, if Paul, you know, if Paul said, oh, wretched man that I am, if Paul was a wretched man, who do you think you are? And they misunderstand this whole chapter. How many understand that verse 24 comes after verse 1? Right? Come on. We all know that. 1 comes before 24. Right? So we need to look at what happens, what does Paul talk about before we get to this old wretched man that I am. This whole, whole thing of, of trying to do good and can't do good. Being miserable where so many Christians are. So many Christians are in a place where, you know, I want to do good, but I just can't do it. So in verse, verse 1 of chapter 7, Paul writes this. Or do you not know, brethren, so this is something we need to know, right? Do you not know, brethren, for I speak to those who know the law. So who is he talking to? He's talking to people that know the law. He's talking to good people that are trying to be good, 
that are trying to keep the law. Right? That the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives. For the woman who has a husband is bound by law to her husband as long as he lives. But if the husband dies, she is released from the law of her husband. So then, if while her husband lives, she marries another, she will be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from the law so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. We were married to another man. We were married to Adam. Our nature, our old man, right? You were married to your old man. And your old man had to be crucified. And like we said before, don't come up and ask me if there's anywhere that says that my old lady needs to be crucified. But it's your old man. We were married to him. But Jesus came as the second Adam, and he was made fallen humanity. He was made our old man. He was made the first Adam. He, he, he never sinned. He never did anything to earn those things. But God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we might be the righteousness of God in him. Christ came as fallen humanity, and he died as fallen Adam. He died as fallen humanity. So our old man is dead, and since our old man is dead, we are free to marry another. You remember everything we taught, that Christ did not die his death, he died our death. Your old man is dead. We are no longer subject and bound to the law of sin and death. Why? Because we died to that. And because we died to that, and because Jesus did no sin, and that he was righteous, God raised him from the dead, and when he raised him from the dead, we were raised with him. And now we can come into a marriage, that's the bride of Christ, we can come into a marriage relationship with Jesus and become one with him. That's why the marriage relationship is a great mystery because he's talking about Christ and the church. We have been married, become one, become united, have been baptized into him. That's awesome. Verse 4, therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. There's only one way you can bear fruit to God, and that's not by keeping the law. It's by being married to Christ and allowing Christ to live through you. That's the only way you can produce fruit, right? Being married, the only way you can produce offspring is how? By being married, well, that's the way it's supposed to work. By being married, a husband and wife produces offspring. By being married to Christ, we produce godly works, godly fruit, right? For when we were in the flesh, look at that. When we were in the flesh, when we were in the flesh, when we were in the flesh, what's, what's were mean? 
past tense. When we were in the flesh, it says that the the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members. Again, what is members? It's the flesh. Right? So we need to understand what he's talking about here. There was a time when you were in the flesh only. And sin had its way in you. And the law aroused sin and magnified sin in your life. Right? And it was at work in us to bear fruit for what? Death. Death. And I'm telling you that even your good works done in the flesh bared fruit unto death. For the Bible says that our righteousness is but filthy rags compared to the righteousness of God. So if you're trying to be good, if you're trying to keep the Ten Commandments, if you're trying to keep your own moral code that so many people have nowadays, the God of their own making, I think God's this way. Oh, yeah? Well, who are you? I think God's exactly how he said he is. There's so many people. I think God's this way. No. He's exactly who he said he was. Even your good deeds on your best day... It leads to death. Why? Because in the end, your problem isn't your, your individual sins. The, our problem was is that we were sin. We missed the mark. We, we had nothing in us to, to even hit the mark. We're missing the spiritual side of God in us to be like God. You cannot be like God separate from God. That was a lie from the very beginning. God knows when you eat from this fruit, you will be like God. And God said when he made them, let us make man in our image. As long as they were connected to God, they were like God. It's when you disconnect from God and try to be your own God that you fall miserably short. And some people, you know, have just given up on this whole thing. They're just self, I can never be good. I can't be like the hypocrites at church. I can't keep the standards, so I just go out and live the sinful life of death, right? And actually, they're more honest than most Christians. But now, now, there was a time when we were in the flesh. There was a time when our actions produced death. But now, we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the Spirit and not the oldness of the letter. So how are you supposed to be serving God? Are you supposed to be serving God through the old covenant of keeping the law and keeping certain principles? No, by being led by the Spirit. You're supposed to live from the inside out. It's from from understanding who you are in Christ. Continuing, verse 7. What shall we say then? Because this is the question that people that we're trying to keep the law, should ask, what should we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. On the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the law. For I would not have known covetousness unless the law had said, you shall not covet. But sin, taken opportunity by the commandment, produced in me all manner of evil desires. For apart from the law, sin was dead. 
I was alive once without the law, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. What that means is, is that there's a time in everybody's life that even if you don't have the Ten Commandments, even though you don't have the law of God, there's a time in everybody's life that you know what's right and what's wrong. You know that, the, you know, who told you that one day I come to, we're sharing lunch together, we're sharing lunch together, and I pull out an orange, and the orange, well, let's, let's use a modern day thing. I pull out a, a Twix. One for you and one to share, right? Is that how it goes? You pull out a Twix, and, I, and the guy says, man, I love Twix. And I said, well, here, have, have, have one of mine. And we share Twix together. The next day, you show up, and today you, you have a Twix. And, I, and he says, yeah, that Twix was so good that I, I had to get one for myself. Expecting you to share with me, I said, so you're going to give me the other side of that Twix? And he said, no, get your own. This is mine. And you think, that is not right. That's wrong. Who told you that that was wrong? Even a person that knows nothing about God, knows nothing about the Bible, knows that that's wrong. It's because there comes a time when we know the law of God, we know that there is a moral code and what is right and wrong, and what happens is that we start hardening ourselves to that. But when, when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. Because what happens is, is now not only, not only do we know what's right and wrong, but now God is conde- condemns it by his word that it's wrong. In the commandment which was to bring life, I found to bring death. For sin taken occasion by the commandment deceived me, and by it killed me. Therefore the law is holy, and the commandment holy, and just, and good. So the question is, is did the law bring sin? And he says, of course not. Sin always existed. You were a sinner before the law came into being. The only thing that the law did was magnify it. It magnified what you were doing wrong. It it put something out there saying, you know those things that you thought were wrong, but you just continued doing it and your hearts got hard and, and pretty soon you did it without even having your conscience tell you it was wrong? Well, we're here to tell you that God says you were right in the very beginning, that it is wrong and you're wrong and you're a sinner. That's what the That's what the law does. The only thing the law can do is point out our sickness. It only points out that we are sinners. Or we were sinners. It, that's all the law can do. It can just point out all your naughty behavior. It's a magnifying glass. It magnifies our sin. But it could not make us well. It could not make us well. Verse 13. Has then what is good become death to me? Certainly not. But sin, that it might appear sin, was producing death in me through what is good. So that sin, through the commandment, might become exceedingly sinful. So what it's saying is is those bad behaviors that that you had, that you just wrote off. Everybody does it. Right? Isn't that that what um, Cain's grandson said? Well, Cain killed his brother, and and you protected him, so God's going to protect me too. 
And the Bible says that we are a type of people that judge ourselves among ourselves. You know, I'm not as bad, you know, that's what people say. Well, I'm not as bad as, I know a guy that goes to church every Sunday, and I know what he's like on the job site. I'm not nearly as bad as he is. And if he's going to heaven, I'm certainly going to heaven. But what happens if he's not going to heaven? You can't judge ourselves among ourselves. So what, what the law did is all it did was magnify. It made sin exceedingly sinful. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal. He's talking to people that are under the law. He's talking to people that are trying to keep the law to be good through their carnality. Understand something. Carnal is carnal, whether it's a sin or whether it's you trying to be righteous. You're carnal. If you're trying to be righteous on your own actions, you're carnal. The law is spiritual. You do not have it in you to be spiritual. Apart from being born again and having the Spirit of God living on the inside of you. Do you understand that? For what I am doing, here we go, I do not understand. For what I will to do, I do not practice. But what I hate to do, I do. Who's he talking about? He's talking about people that are trying to be right through the flesh, through carnality, through trying to keep the law. The law is spiritual, but we are carnal, sold under sin. Sold under sin. Let's keep going. Verse 16. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. So it's saying that even though I can't do what the law is saying is bad, and I agree with the law that it is good, but I can't do it, that doesn't, change, that doesn't make the law bad. The law is still good, but I just can't be good. But now it is no longer I who do it. We're going to rest on this. This is, this is probably one of the most complicated, misunderstood scriptures. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. So what does that mean? Does that mean that I'm no longer responsible for all my sinful actions because it's not... The devil made me do it. No. You are responsible. You are responsible for your actions. You are the re- responsible of your actions of the flesh. If I was to come, come down here and just slap someone across the face, you know, bust them right in the nose, blood going everywhere, you'd all go, oh, wouldn't you? And you'd think, what's wrong with Pastor. Why would he do such a thing? That's not like him at all. Or for the people that weren't here today. If you got on Facebook and said, Pastor, just punched someone right in the nose at church today and blood was all over, hopefully they'd think, well, that's not like Pastor. Is that true? That's not like him at all. Why? Because your sinful actions is not the real you. It's the flesh. And this should answer the question why a minister can be in the ministry for 50 years and then all of a sudden run off with the secretary. 
People say, well, was he never saved? Was everything he ever taught just hypocritical and, and a lie? No. He got in the flesh. He stopped walking in the Spirit. He stopped seeing himself in the Spirit. And what did he do? He got in the flesh, and he did what the flesh does, leads to death. Every time. Every time the flesh will lead to death. But you have to understand that your flesh is not the real you. The real you is the born-again spirit man created in the image of Christ, holy and righteous. Holy and righteous. Verse 21. I find then a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. But I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. What's the inward man? Your born-again spirit. In the inward man, you're excited about the things of God. In the inward man, you want to do the things of God. But I see another law in my members. Where are your members? Your flesh. Warring against the law of my mind. So where is the war? In your mind. Your flesh wants to do one thing. The inward man wants to do another thing. And there's a battle. And your flesh is, is, your flesh is it's, a, it's an amazing thing. It's an amazing piece of meat when you think about it. Because you can train your flesh to do almost anything. Do you know that there was a time in history that, that science actually said that it was impossible for mankind to run a four-minute mile? It's it was scientifically impossible. The human body could not, cannot do it. And then somebody did it. They, he broke the four-minute mile. And then within the, that year and the years that followed, men did it over and over and over and over again. Why? Because they believed it could be done. They talk about how the body... And I, and I don't know exactly, there, there's a way that they, they um, measure pain in the human body. And the human body can only withstand so much pain, and then it goes into shock or passes out. But when a woman ha- gives birth, it super exceeds that pain level. And yet the human body is able to get her through it. She doesn't pass out. It's amazing. You know, the human body is so amazing that we like things. We like candy. We like sugar. We like all these good things to eat, right? But on the other hand, we like coffee. Because be honest, when you were a kid, the first time you tasted your mom or your dad's coffee, you thought, what is wrong with these people? How can they possibly like this stuff? But now we train ourselves to like coffee. And not only do we like coffee, we can distinguish between good coffee and bad coffee. There was a time when all coffee tasted the same, it tasted bad. But now we know what good coffee is and we know what bad coffee is, right? Smoking, drinking alcohol. Be honest, alcohol tastes like garbage. But people train their bodies. 
Smoking, you didn't, when you took that first drag off that cigarette, you did not look like the Marlboro man. <laughs> you were hacking and coughing, turning green, turning to your buddies, oh yeah, we're cool. But what happens? You train your body, and now what does your body do? It demands it. The body is it's a, it's amazing. It's an amazing thing. So this law in our members is warring against the law of our mind. And it's bringing us into captivity to the law of sin, which is in our members. So what it's saying here is that this law of our flesh, it comes in wars against the inward man. If you give in to the law of the flesh, it brings death. And it, it brings us into captivity. And then he goes, the famous verse, O wretched Man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's a who, not a what. A who saves us from carnality. A who, who, we've got to live in whoville, not whatville. So many Christians want to know, what must I do? Give me five points, pastor on how to overcome sin. Give me five points how to win the battle of the mind. It's not a what. It's a who. And it's Jesus Christ. Look at this. So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. If you have renewed your mind to who you are in Christ Jesus, you will serve the law of God. But as soon as you get in the flesh, you will serve the law of sin. Do you see that? I know I haven't answered all the questions, but we're not done yet. We've got lots of time, too. So here's the conclusion. <laughs> here's the conclusion to Paul's arguments from Romans 7. He desired to serve the law of God, but his flesh was incapable of doing so. How then can we overcome this frustration? Well, he gives us the answer in Romans 8. Paul explains how we can escape the flesh and walk in the Spirit. Romans 8, chapter 1 through 4. See, this is why it's so important to read whole chapters of the Bible, and not just take little chunk, chunks out of it. Romans 8, chapter, uh, verse 1 says, There is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And there are certain teachers that say that certain old manuscripts um, leave out the part to who walk in the, according to the flesh and not according to the Spirit. If you look in your Bible, there's probably a note that says that. So what they would say is there's no more combination to those that are in Christ. And then that verse 1 would stop right there. You know, I don't know which one's right or which one's wrong, but we know this, that we have no condemnation from God if we're in Christ Jesus. But I'm telling you that if you walk in the flesh, you will condemn yourself. If, the Bible talks about if our hearts do not condemn us. It's hard. If you've got a bunch of sin in your life, it's hard to go to God in prayer and expect him to answer it, even though your sin has nothing to do with him answering your prayer. 
You can't, it's hard to go to God in faith when you know that you've been naughty. My daughter, if she's been naughty, well, sometimes she thinks she can get away with it. But it's, it would be hard for her to come and ask a favor from me when she knows that she's been naughty. Right? It's just, that's just natural. We know. But the problem is, is the grace of God, the goodness of God, the favor of God supersedes our naughtiness. Why shouldn't you sin? You shouldn't sin because it's gonna, you're going to separate yourself from God. There's a lot of people that don't go to church. Why? Because their hearts condemn them. They think God's mad at them because of all the stuff that they've done. And they don't realize that because of Jesus Christ, they've been forgiven for all the things that they've done. And it's their own conscience that is condemning them. So there is no condemnation. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. You've been freed from the law if you are in Christ Jesus. We're free. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on the account of sin. So what's it saying here? It says, we were not able to keep the law and be good enough because of the weakness of our flesh. We missed the mark. We did not have it in us to do it. So what did God do? Did he say, so we're all, I'm just going to send them all to hell? No, he became a man and did it for us. God did it by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on the account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteous requirement of the law might be, might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. You're free today, not just because God turned a blind eye to sin. You're free because Jesus Christ paid the righteous requirements of the law. He was that perfect sacrifice. He was that perfect sacrifice. And now, if we walk in the Spirit, the law of sin and death has no authority over us. Verse 5, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Think about this. What do you set your minds on? What are you thinking about constantly? Remember, it just said the battlefield is in the mind. What are you constantly thinking about? Is your, are you constantly thinking through the flesh, through who you are in the natural, who you are in the carnality, or are you thinking of who you are as a new creation in the new birth in Jesus Christ? What are you setting your minds on? For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. I'm telling you, if, you, if, if your righteousness, if your holiness, if your right staying with God, see again, I know I don't have to talk about sin here because you guys are all thinking about sin. I'm talking about you trying to be right. You're trying to earn brownie points with God. That's carnality. If you think you can earn brownie points with God by doing your little penance or your little things that you do, and God's going to answer a prayer, or God's going to bless you because of that, you're in the flesh. You're carnal. What is it, how would that look in the, to, in, to be spiritual? That because of Jesus Christ, God has blessed me. Because of Jesus Christ, God does love me. Because of Jesus Christ, 
I am healed. All, all my prayers are answered because of Jesus, because of who Jesus is. Carnality is not just sin. All sin is carnal, but not all carnality is sin. You understand that? Because we like our flesh. And you've met these people that love their flesh. You know, we, there's different grades of steak, right? And a lot of us think, oh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not that cheap hamburger. I'm a grade A ribeye. I got good flesh. I don't drink or chew or goes those with, I don't even know the saying, go with those who do. I'm not nearly like, like those old sinners down at the bar. I got good flesh. No, you don't. All flesh leads to death. The Pharisees thought they had good flesh. They thought they were righteous. They thought they were holy. And then Jesus showed up and he says, unless your righteousness supersedes the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. There is no, no good in your flesh. There is no good thing in your flesh. Because the carnal mind is at enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. If everything that you think pleases God has nothing to do with Jesus, you're not pleasing God. Faith pleases God, right? And again, it's not, oh, that person really has a lot of faith and this person doesn't have a lot of faith. No, it's not that. Faith in Jesus is what pleases God. Faith in Jesus is what pleases God. Because if you're trying to get healed and you're just trying to work up a bunch of faith, that's carnality. Faith is so simple. We've made it so hard. Faith is so simple. It's this. I trust Jesus. I trust that God's not a liar. That's, I trust it. But we, work it, we make it so hard. You know, <laughs> you just when you find out what God says about something, you just believe it. That sells it. And this is the way how I'm going to believe for the rest of my life. When it says in 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 Genesis, that in six days God made the earth and he spoke the worlds into existence. That settles it. The whole science, all that stuff can say all they want, come up with all their other theologies. I'm sorry. It's already been settled in me because this is what God said. That's faith. And it's foolishness to the wisdom of man, isn't it? Look at this. For to be carnally minded is death, but to those that are spiritually minded is life and peace because the carnal mind is at enmity with God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it be. There is, there is no good thing in your flesh. There's no good thing in my flesh. That is why I can be so sympathetic to those that fall, are in sin. Because if it wasn't for Jesus... I could be just as bad or worse than them. If it wasn't for Jesus, I could ruin my marriage. And I'm going to say since if it wasn't for Jesus, for me understanding who I am in Jesus, I could be a, a drug addict. I could be an alcoholic. 
I could be a homosexual. Because there's no good thing in my flesh. If I trusted my flesh, I don't know how far I could go in depravity. I don't know how far I could go in sin and death. But thank God that I'm not in my flesh. I'm in the Spirit. And the greater one lives in me. And I can overcome my flesh by walking in the Spirit. Don't trust your flesh. Don't get into it a little bit. What is being carnal? Carnal means meat. Being controlled by your natural senses is what it means to be carnal. We live in a society that is totally governed, totally governed by its emotions. To commit adultery is you being being carnal. It's you being controlled by your natural man, controlled by your fleshly desires. See, for me, to commit adultery means that I'm not trusting in that I'm no longer able to commit adultery because I'm married. So every single female... And in this day and age, every single male that I come into contact with has nothing to do with sex. They're either brother or sister in the Lord. It has nothing to do with that. Why? Because I walk in the Spirit, and in the Spirit, I'm not available that way. In the Spirit, I am joined to my wife. We are one flesh, and it's... it's, it's and by renewing my mind to, to the marriage covenant that I have with my wife and God's way of doing things, it's unnatural, it should be unnatural for us to look at another woman or another man that's not our spouse and think about having sex with them. When you do, you're carnal. There's only one way to have safe sex. Let's get married, stay married, and have all the sex you want. But we pervert it. And we start thinking things. That's the same thing. So I'm not, if you've committed adultery, you are not adulterer. You are just in your flesh. You are being controlled by your flesh. That's not the real you. Stop acting like that. Go a little deeper. If you're a homosexual, and if in your mind, you, in your flesh, there's something in there that just seems to be a little twisted and perverted and not natural, and you're thinking about it all the time. Stop thinking that way. Because in your flesh you might have a bent or a desire that is not healthy and it leads to death. Stop thinking that way because that's not the real you. The real you is a born-again, spirit-filled, baptized in the Holy Ghost, child of God. See yourself as God sees you. The battlefield is in the mind. You are not someone that's filled with anger and rage. Stop thinking that way. That's how you are in the flesh. You're not lazy. That's just, you're just, that's just your flesh. You're not ignorant. You're not dumb. That's just how you see yourself. Or that's how someone said you are in the flesh. We are so carnal. Everything, we are led around by our senses. 
This is how I feel. I don't. And their whole society is, is you, gotta, don't, you can't say nothing because you're going to hurt someone's feelings. Don't you care about my feelings? No, I don't care about your feelings. I care about who you are in Christ Jesus. And I better get off this or I hurt someone's feelings. We live in a society that's control, totally controlled by our feelings and our emotions. You, you know, years back, we went to a Primus Keeper event, and they had different vendors out there. And we went up the stairs, and there was a vendor there. And, you know, I was young and dumb back then, and I seen the sign, and I thought, that sounds stupid. And it was called Alcoholics for Christ. And I'm not saying nothing bad. Alcoholics Anonymous, those program stuff, have helped a lot of people. But if you're confessing every single day or every single week that I'm an alcoholic, no, you're not. That might have been who you were in the flesh. But if you're born again, you're a spirit of God, you're the head, not the tail, the above and not beneath, you're blessed. You have this, the fruit of the Spirit within you. That's who you are. And you cannot break free from fleshly things by doing fleshly things. You can't break free from carnality by doing something else carnal. Right believing leads to right actions. You are not an alcoholic. You're not a drug addict. You're not a, uh, a jerk. Some people, they're proud of being a jerk. No, you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Where the heck were we? Oh, we haven't started this one yet. Look at this. Verse 9. This is good. I don't care. what. I'm happy whether you guys are not. But you are not in the flesh. You are not in the flesh. But in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, He's bringing you back to this revelation of who you are in Christ. That might have been who you were in the flesh, but you're no longer to see yourself in the flesh. You are to see yourself in the Spirit. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, is Christ in you? The body is dead because of sin. We all know that. Our bodies have not been redeemed yet. So that means that anytime you want to get into the flesh, you're going to get into sin. You're going to get into carnality. You're going to get into unfruitful fruit that leads to death rather than fruit that leads to life and godliness. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life. Because of righteousness. Whose righteousness? Yours? No. The righteousness of Christ. But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. You have the greater one that lives in you. You need to renew your mind to this. You are not what you feel. You are not what you do. You are Christ. Look at what, how Paul puts it in 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 14. He says, For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus, that if one di died for all, then all died. There it is. 
We all died in Adam, but Christ came and died for us all. So we all died in Christ. And if he died for all, that those who, that those who live should, no, should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, therefore what? Therefore, since we all died in Christ, and we, we should all be living in this new reality of, of Christ in us, living for Christ. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. I see you guys in the Spirit. I see who you are in Christ. Sometimes you guys get in the flesh. But I remember, you're just in the flesh. Sometimes I get in the flesh with my kids. Sometimes I get in the flesh with my wife. But that's not really who I am. Inside me, I am the most awesome husband there is. In me, there's an awesome dad in me because I have the love of God. I got Abba, Daddy's love in me. And if I can learn how not to operate in the flesh, but to operate in the spirit, things go a lot, lot better. And the same is true for you. I've said, I've said this before many times, and, and, and I really feel that the Lord gave it to me because I really didn't, ha- I didn't, I didn't have this knowledge be- to back it up that I do now. But I used to tell people, I said, you know what? You're trying to quit smoking. You're trying to quit drinking. You're trying to quit a habit. Stop struggling. And from now on, every time you go to buy a pack of cigarettes or buy something or take a smoke or whatever, right then, as you're, before you light that cigarette up, you say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And I am free from these cigarettes. And then smoke away. Drink away. Because one or two things will happen. You're either going to see who you are in Christ, and faith will become sight, or you will see who you are in the flesh, and you'll stop saying it. You'll either stop doing the thing you're trying to break, or you'll stop saying who you are in Christ Jesus. One or two will happen. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. Sooner or later, one or the other will stop. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Man, oh man. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh. That means that there was a time when Jesus walked around and you've seen him in the flesh. But look what it says about Jesus. Yet now we know him thus no longer. You don't know Jesus about, about the carpenter's son that walked the Sea of Galilee. You know, we don't know him that way anymore. We know him as the resurrected Son of God, seated at the right hand of God, with all authority, with all power. That's how we see Jesus. And on top of it, we see Jesus in us. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, I'm going to stand right here. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. How do you see yourself? 
Do you see yourself in the flesh? Or do you see yourself in Christ? Do you see yourself in what your dad or your mom or the teacher or the kids at school said about you? Or do you see who you are in Christ Jesus? How do you regard yourself? Because I'm telling you, until you can see yourself in Christ, it's going to be hard for you to see others in Christ. And when you can't see others in Christ, it makes it a lot harder for you to stay in Christ and not get into your flesh. Galatians 5.16 I say then, walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. What does that mean? It says, walk in the Spirit and you won't fulfill the lusts of the flesh. All this stuff we started off with was saying the things I don't want to do, I do, and the things I do want to do, I don't do. Who's going to rescue me from, thank God it's Jesus? Walk in the Spirit. And you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Notice it says that it does not say, notice what it does not say here. It does not say that when you walk in the Spirit, you'll stop lusting after the flesh. Your flesh... There's nothing good in it. If you want to get into the flesh, you're going to start. You're, you're going to fulfill the lust of the flesh. It only says that when you walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. You won't be controlled by the lusts of the flesh. Right? Understand something. You, you, there's never going to be a time. There's never going to be a time when you say, "You know what? I'm pretty good. I don't need Jesus anymore." There's, ne- there's never, never going to be a time when you say, you know what, I'm pretty good. I've been doing good. I don't need to walk in the Spirit anymore. My flesh is all right. You know, there's some of us here that's been walking with Jesus long enough that if you forsake Jesus and walked away, it'd take you a while before you got into deep, dark sin. But you would sooner or later be led to death, to destruction. We have to walk in the Spirit constantly. This is what Jesus came to give us, is give us His life. So how do we walk in the Spirit? How do we walk in the Spirit? Romans 8, 5 and 8. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those that live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit... For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is at enmity with God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. How do you walk in the Spirit? By setting your mind on who you are in Christ. Everything that we taught, the so thens. So then if I died in Christ, sin shall no longer have dominion over you because you are under grace. When sin comes knocking on the door, when sin comes knocking on the door, you can say, I don't do that anymore. You're knocking at the wrong door. Augustine, St. Augustine. I don't know if I necessarily agree with everything he said, but I do agree with what he said on this. Augustine used to visit the prostitutes. And then he got born again. And he was walking down the street one night, or one day, and a prostitute from a window yelled out, 
Augustine, it is I. And Augustine said, yes, but it is no longer I. See, he understood that in Christ, he's a new creation. That old things passed away. All things have become new. You've got to realize that when you're tempted, that's not you. That's your flesh. That right there should hit you. That when you're tempted to do something that you know is not good to do, to react a certain way to a certain situation, and you reacted the same way over and over and over again, and you've always said, why do I do the same thing over and over and over again? Why do I react the same way? This is how I know how I should act, but I always react this way. Next time that temptation comes to react, when it comes up into your flesh, you can think to yourself, that's not me. That's only my flesh. Do you understand that? If you start seeing who you are in the Spirit and understand that the flesh is evil, but you are not. And as long as you are controlled by your Spirit and not by your flesh, you will not gratify the lust of the flesh. You have to see... I hope you're getting this. See who you are in Christ. Your mind has to be renewed to who you are in Christ. You have to understand that you are a triune being. You have... You are a spirit. That is wall-to-wall Holy Ghost. You're, you can't be any more like God. Your spirit is just like Jesus. You have a soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Right? And you have a body, a flesh. And to the extent that you renew your mind, it's, it's, a, it's simple. It's a democracy. It's simple. The more you renew your mind to who you are in Christ, the more you have control over your flesh. But the more that you allow your flesh to dictate to your mind who you are, the more you will be controlled by your carnality. If, right now, if, if you're sitting here today and you're struggling with, it, with, with actions that you know that you don't know how to get, get out of, it should bring such joy to your hearts to know that that's not you. That that's just your flesh. And you don't have to be that way any longer. I don't care if, you know, some people, they're, they're worried about in their, in their flesh, in their emotions, in their mind, they say that I, I was born a, a man, but I'm really a woman. No, that's just your flesh. I, I, so it's amazing how how the world likes to tote science like crazy. Except when it comes to our own immorality. Because we all watch CSI. We all know crime scene valuation. If a guy dressed up like a woman, even if he had the surgeries, committed a crime, and they looked at his DNA, he would be a man. No matter what he feels, no matter what his emotions are, no matter how he dresses, no matter what kind of surgeries he's had done, he is a man. And because of their carnality, because of the way that they think, it doesn't supersede who they are. And the same thing is with you guys. Not that you want to dress up like in women's clothes, but unless you're a woman, is that what your flesh is trying to 
to dictate over you is not the real you. The real you is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And you have to see yourself in Christ. If you're, if you're a gossip, if you, if you are a slanderer, if, if you're covetousness, I mean, let's talk about the real bad stuff. If you're a slanderer, if you're a backstabber, you know, if, if you're a, a gossip and a liar, if you're just, if you're greedy, that's not really who you are. That's not who you are. That's who you are in the flesh. This should be exciting. So is your mind more set on who you are in the new birth and in Christ Jesus or on who you are in the flesh and who you were in the old man that was Adam? Look at this, 2 Peter 1, 5 through 9. We're looking at wanting to do the things that please God. We want to to do the things that we, we want to do and don't want to do the things that we don't want to do. And this is what Peter's saying here. He says, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and perseverance, godliness. To godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. We all want that, don't we? We, want, we don't want to be barren. We want to be fruitful in our lives. But look at verse 9. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten the Ten Commandments of Moses. Is that what it says? But he, for he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. If you, if you lack the virtues of Christ in your life, it's because you have forgotten, you're short-sighted, you're blinded to who you are in Christ Jesus. Once you understand who you are in Christ Jesus, it just happens naturally. That's why it's called the fruit of the Spirit. It just produces Philemon 1.6, that the sharing of your faith may become effective by. How, do, how does our faith become effective? We want effective faith, don't we? Don't we? Don't you want faith that works? By the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. By acknowledging who we are in Christ Jesus, all these good things that are in us, Christ, the hope of glory, righteousness, holiness, power, love, forgiveness. Forgiveness is in you. If you're sitting here today and says, I can never forgive this individual. Yes, you're right. In your flesh, you can never forgive that individual. But that's not the real you. That's not the real you. Acknowledging who you are in Christ makes your faith work. Galatians chapter 3, 26, 28. For you, listen to this, for you are all sons of God. Woo! Can't believe the Bible says that. Through faith in Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus, for as many of you that were baptized in Christ have put on Christ. 
There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. You, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Look at how the extent that Paul takes forgetting about the flesh. You are who God says you are. You shouldn't even distinguish yourself between being male or female. You are Christ. You are in Christ Jesus. You are exactly who God says you are. If you're a slave or you're free, it doesn't matter. It's Christ. You don't see yourself as a slave. You don't see yourself as free. You see yourself in Christ Jesus. You don't see yourself in as a Jewish person, you don't see yourself as a Greek. You see yourself in Christ Jesus. You, you don't see yourself as black. You don't see yourself as white. You don't see yourself as green or blue or polka dot. You see yourself in Christ Jesus. That's how we see ourselves as sons and daughters of God. It's amazing. We've been delivered from this body of death, just as long as we choose not to live in the flesh. We are delivered through the acknowledgement of everything good that's in us in Christ Jesus. We've been delivered, and who the Son sets free is free indeed. Stop walking around this earth like a zombie in the deadness of your flesh. And I, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1, and I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as carnal, as to babes in Christ, I feed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you are still not able, for you are still carnal. For where there is envy, strife, divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? You're not a mere woman, you're not a mere man. You are born again, spirit-filled, filled with the glory of God and righteousness. You have the mind of Christ. You're holy. As he is, so are you in this world. That's the real you. Stop seeing yourself as just merely a man, getting by, waiting for heaven. You are born again and a child of God. Amen. This is, so, this is good. This is profound. You need to go over these scriptures. Go home. Get your Bible. Go over these scriptures. See these things. Read them over and over again. Renew your mind to who you are in Christ. Understand. Listen, it's going to happen today. There's going to be a, come an opportunity for you to uh, live in the flesh. Your wife, your kid, the dog, something's going to happen. Politicians, something's going to happen. Something's going to happen to make you React in the flesh. And as that comes up, hear these words. That's not you. That's not you. Walk in the Spirit. No longer gratify the lust of the flesh. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Karis New Testament Church. For more information or to contact us, go to www.karisntc.org. And remember, you are deeply loved, highly favored, and destined to reign in Christ Jesus.